CannabisRadio.com proudly presents the newest and greatest podcast in the galaxy, The Real Dirt with Chip Baker, your insider industry connection to accurate and entertaining information about cannabis technology, production, cultivation, and everything in between. The Real Dirt with Chip Baker is a podcast series featuring the cannabis industry's expert pioneer growers, venture capitalists, lawyers, and dispensary owners, rolling joints and dropping knowledge about cannabis technology, production, cultivation, and everything in between. The future of legal cannabis has arrived, and we want to give you the real dirt with Chip Baker. All right, here we are, the real dirt with Chip Baker. How you doing, Chip? I'm doing great, Stacy. On today's dirt, we have Stacy Johnson of Harvest House in Nederland, Colorado. And he has just rolled the biggest joint of any guest I have ever had. That would be a bomber for sure. Uh, it, that That's so big. I'm going to have to take a picture of it. Not too many people roll big joints like that anymore. It seems to be a thing of the Colombian and Mexican days. What was the first weed that you uh, puffed on, Stacy? The old East Coast Brown. East Coast Brown. The East Coast Brown. Mexican frown. Yeah. <laughs> Dirt weed. I think the first quarter pound I bought was Acapulco Gold. Mm, was it gold? It was uh, more sun-bleached. Sun-bleached <laughs> than gold. Oh, God. Uh, some of the last brick weed I remember getting was in gold kilos. Really? And uh, uh, looking back on it, I was like, I don't know, 22. Looking back on it, it was probably sun-bleached. Not knowing any different, though, we were excited. <laughs> <coughs> oh yeah puff puff pass no i gotta do something about the studio it's not the best for passing here <laughs> what what are we smoking here that is uh death by cherries mm. cherry pie og cutting wow it actually it has a very food like flavor like a July Fourth afternoon man <laughs> just like a cornucopia of flavors mm. straight from netherland Mm-hmm. Straight from Nederland, Colorado. Nederland has one of the older histories of counterculture in Colorado. I have heard about Nederland. Nederland and Fort Collins were the first two towns I heard about in association with weed 25 years ago. Yeah. Right. How long have you been there? 20 years in 2017. I moved in 97. 97. We talked about this. I went to California when you went to. Yeah. Colorado. Both of us fleeing the East Coast, almost like a Bob Dylan song. <laughs> I did a brief near a year stint in San Rafael, mm-hmm. and uh, that didn't stick. So I flirted with Nederland for a little bit and finally came to stay in, in 97. We were going to move here in 97 and uh, got to Colorado. Couldn't find any weed. <laughs> it was summertime. We didn't know anybody. About at that point, everybody grew in rock wool here. Yeah. So it's been a big change in the culture. In pots. I remember it was it was uh, rock wool and rocks and pots floating yeah. drain. General Hydro, three-part. Yeah, yeah that Hydro ruled Colorado. Colorado. Even until I, until we started stores here in 2008. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that culture has almost gone away. There's a lot of it still, but a lot the flood and drain. Yeah. Rock wool, flood and drain, rocks. Tons of rock wool still, and I still have lots of rocks. I'd be slanging rocks left and right up at the store, but uh, 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 lots of rock wool still. Yeah, 
I uh, I know probably nobody who uses rock wool at this point now. It's amazing how much we sell of it. It just the the croutons, mm-hmm. right? Those have become really popular because people just water them in, like with a hose and a wand, like they would a soil pot. Well, the roots I see on those scenarios sure look nice. Man, huge plants, <laughs> right? But it, it does lead to a quality, you know, issue. And man, there's a disposal issue. I feel bad about disposing rock wool. Oh yeah, it's an environmental uh, cost for sure for growing. Just throwing all that stuff away. You moved here in '97. Mm-hmm. When did, did you become involved with medical cannabis? In 2008, I mm-hmm. believe I began caregiving and got my own card. And uh, I was not one of the early adopters, but right, you you let the pioneers get slaughtered, so to speak. Yeah, right, because <laughs> they did get slaughtered in the early days. I mean, you know, yeah, totally. And you had your problems too in the early days. Mm-hmm. You know, zoning, and I know all that was going going on. So let's just say it formally. Give me the who, what, when. Who, who are you? What are you? I am a uh, cannabis business owner from Nederland, Colorado. Uh, I began my uh, business activities with medical marijuana in 2009. I had a store open from that point until. I guess mid to late 2011 when uh, House Bill 1284 began taking effect. So hey, hey, let's let's pause right there. So you you filed for medical cannabis producer and seller in 2009. Went through the early stages of the paperwork. The paperwork probably would have been in 2010. Right, right. That's when and I that applied also- before they actually wrote the rules. Mm-hmm. So the rules were written after I paid my money, and there was no. Uh, no recourse to get your money back if you withdrew. So right, right. So you you operated a medical facility, grow and dispensary, uh, until this House Bill twelve eighty four came along in two thousand and eleven. What what was that exactly? Well, the bill caused the first regulations to be written, and that forced all the businesses that were not vertically integrated into a vertically great integrated business model. So consequently, people who are good retailers but didn't have a grow were forced into relationships with people who had a grow or vice versa or, you know, all of the different pieces required by uh, legislation and regulation ended up forcing people into zoning. There were several regulations. All sorts of came through here, right? All sorts of, uh, you know, it was basically an unregulated industry up until that point. So it kind of... uh, it left me without a grow, and I wasn't interested in becoming involved with anybody else. Some bad experiences with business partners along the way getting to that point, and I decided to withdraw my application and uh, withdrew from the from the industry. Right, just uh, waited it out. That happened with so many people in the early days, and it's going to continue to happen with people in the new states as they want to be first to the uh, to sale, so to speak, um, or you weren't even first to sale, really. I mean, you were you were you were on the first wave, but other people are already involved in doing it, All right? But I saw it happen to you and several other people at the time. It's like you 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 put everything together correct, you put an investment into a location, investment into a grow, and then they issued compliance rules, 
Mm -hmm. and you weren't able to comply. Yeah. Right. You'd already invested a significant amount of resources into your previous situation. Oh, yeah. Right. What made you decide to stop, really? And was there like a light bulb moment where you're like, hey, this this isn't worth it to me or I need to wait for the laws to change? Even at that point, real estate was beginning to become scarce. That was zoned correctly. Um, people were beginning to uh, charge uh, exorbitant prices. And I just uh, I didn't feel like my market in Netherland, which was a, a traditional home-growing community and also a community full of many medical marijuana caregivers, I just decided to hold out and... Uh, I guess I don't even think it's uh, fair to say I was holding out. I really didn't anticipate recreational cannabis passing when it did. But let's just say I kept my uh, cards on the table and uh, was able to apply early on when it was opened up to uh, the non-medical, existing medical marijuana licensees converting to recreational. took about 14 to 16 months from applying to actually opening so over a year. Wow, that's normal businesses, many businesses in the U.S. We can just go into a business office of our local state government, and apply for a license, start business the next day. That's not the way it works with cannabis, is it? No. No. No, everything is at least a two, three, four-month kind of. Let's talk about that process that, that took 18 months, right? So it was more than just paperwork, no, oh, well, it was a lot of it was a lot of paperwork because they want extensive background information, even things that you may have forgotten about from you know your youth. Um, fortunately, oh, that's right, I did get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that with a lot of folks trying to get their uh, their uh, industry badges. You know, having uh, stuff from the eighties or early nineties come up. Right, that they absolutely. had had not even a recollection of. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of the problems with cannabis, or maybe it's not a problem. It'll, it allows us to forget some things. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah, many people, it, even though the law does not prohibit a criminal background history, some things it does prohibit specifically, but you just have to show the court documents to say that uh, you had some some altercation, and it could be like, oh, I didn't pay my taxes even, right? I mean, it's well, not just um, arrest you know, records. The the key things that they're looking for is your honesty. So, you know, you might not feel good about, you know, some incident in your past. They're not really looking at you to judge you for that. They want to see you being honest and forthcoming with the answers for the questions that they have. And those are, you know, do include taxes and any criminal charges, you know, anything beyond a, a regular Typical traffic ticket they they want to know about. So you you file a stack of paperwork. I've heard people say how oh, yeah. large it was. It's a ream of paper. It's a ream of paper, literally. Uh, you you file this paperwork, your background documentation. You give it to the government, and then you wait. They have. I can't remember what the uh, allotted time for them to either approve you or reject you. And they had some I period of time. Did you have did you have to have an attorney help you with this? Um no, I have a background in real estate, okay, so, so I'm kind of familiar with right. the legalese and the way to fill out forms and right. have an attorney friend who helped me with any questions that I might have had along the way, but basically did it all by myself. 
Right, right. Yeah, you know, one of the things people misconceive about uh, the people who get involved in the cannabis industry here in Colorado, at least all over the country, I'm sure, is everybody is not the stereotypical stoner. Uh, you had a background in real estate, were active real mm-hmm. estate agent, had a career previous to this and decided, hey, it's a pretty good industry to go into. Mm-hmm. Right. I like marijuana. I'm yeah. a fan of medical marijuana. And, yeah. Been a big home grower for a long time. So right. had a good history with it. Yeah. Right. And some fine weed we're smoking today here, Stacy. Uh, nice white ash. It's not harsh at all. We've smoked this huge joint down to uh, uh, a roach the size of a small little hot box car. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you, uh, you you apply for the paperwork. You wait. There's some zoning issues. Were there any struggles that that happened? Over the course of this with the paperwork, was there moments where you didn't think you were going to be able to get the license? No, I felt confident that I was going to be approved. Um, but there's always, a, you know, nervous anticipation waiting for the the paperwork to come through. You know, you have signed file or forms that allow, you know, the government to investigate you to their satisfaction. They ever knock on your door? Never. Yeah. They didn't call any of my references or anything like that. Your kids would have answered the door, though. Yeah. <laughs> I held them at bay. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I would say that the, the hardest part was dealing with the municipality's building department, which I didn't want to engage until I had my final approval from the state to finish my uh, tenant fit-out. That was uh, being given uh, wrong information by them as far as what they required, you know, for uh, uh, their zoning requirements and the building code and what they wanted to see as far as engineered drawings. We had an initial uh, meeting after a a preparatory phone call with the uh, head of the building department and... uh, was told conflicting things that set me back probably three months as far as having engineering done that they needed to have done. Yeah, municipalities but, often don't have it uh, to get didn't have it together in the early days. No, you know they were just getting flooded with information. It wasn't like it used to be, and it's still hard enough to talk to some small county and town mm-hmm. uh, uh, building code people or zoning people. It's because they don't they don't have so much business in it, so they don't know day to day what's going on. Unlike large cities like Denver, I'm sure you can get your mission information there too. But it's pretty straightforward. Well, I have a relatively good relationship with town hall. I was involved with uh, both uh, mayors' boards that uh, address the regulations concerning uh, first medical, as it related to the town of Netherland and then sat on the mayor's task force for the uh, working on the regulations for recreational marijuana. So the the town hall is small and and there's good access, but the building department is a uh, contracted service. So it was not actually dealing with the town. Right, right. I remember this. I remember this (laughs) now. So, hey, let's take a break right there. 
We'll get back to firing it up with the expert on The Real Dirt with Chip Baker after this. Do you want to get in on the booming cannabis industry? With New Frontier Data, we give industry insiders the power of big data analytics to help navigate this rapidly growing and changing landscape. New Frontier's tools help you make critical decisions based on the facts. Our industry analyst reports reveal the best opportunities. Our custom research engagements deliver answers to the most difficult questions. And our cutting-edge big data platform, Equio, puts real-time information and answers you need right at your fingertips. Go to www.equio.io and sign up for your free membership today. That's EQU. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com from dabs to chibas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com Time to get all the insider cannabis industry secrets straight from the mouths of the OG weed pioneers on The Real Dirt with Chip Baker. And we're back. It's the real dirt with Chip Baker. <laughs> Let's keep rolling it up here with Stacy Johnson of Harvest House, Netherland, Colorado. Whoop. You got your license. When did you get your retail license? When was the date? Mid-January 2015. All right. So it became legal in 2014. Mm-hmm. And uh, you saw it start to happen 2014. It was retail was going on in your community or around you? Netherland had Netherland. one of the first uh, retail or the li- first medical shops to convert to retail. To retail, right, right. But you you were 
you were just one of the new applicants. So I I was you the couldn't second one to medical to retail. You were just applying for a retail license. Correct. I think they allowed only uh, medical licensees to convert for the first 10 months or so. Mm-hmm. Then they opened it up, I believe, in October of 2014, that new applicants could could apply. And uh, it took me a couple couple months to get it together. It's a little late getting out of the gate. Got it in mid-December and got approval. Maybe it was February of, of 2015, not January, but in that in that range. Right. And were you open that day? No. No, no. It took no, you a lot of Then I still. finished fitting out the grow, re-renovating the shop. And uh, and this is all too specific cannabis coating or general coating for construction. Both. Right, both. Yeah. Uh, engineers were required at every step of the way. Every step a- of the approval way. Approval on everything you did. was You were scrutinized. It wasn't like building a normal construction project no the, right. you're dealt with in a punitive manner in almost every area whether it's with contractors or the municipal government or you know anything anything is a premium and takes extra time when it comes to cannabis absolutely and you know we feel this all the time as a grocery store i'll have contractors come in and literally clap their hands together yeah listen <laughs> listen assholes here's what i see you do you're like Oh, man, you guys are making so much money in here. And when they do that, I just never call them back, push them out the door. Right. They're just going to milk me for it. Um, we're just regular business people. We're not, we're making regular money. Yep. Right. We work just like regular business people, irregular hours. Sometimes it's we don't quit. Sometimes we don't have to show up at the office. Well, it was it was really telling when I was getting uh, security and uh surveillance equipment bids there were pot industry experts that were providing me with uh bids that were close to twice what non-pot industry <laughs> security contractors yeah, I've seen were the same thing happen right so yeah it's just gouging the market gouging the marketplace oh yeah right it was a feeding frenzy it, it, and yeah and it still is to some degree i mean that's what happened with the real estate too you know people realize that they were zoned applicably and I know it's a supply and demand market and some people really took advantage of it. And I mean, you know, people paid, so it is what it is. Right. But the overpayment of real estate just drives the whole real estate market up and creates this buying frenzy. Oh yeah. Right. You opened up day one. Were you producing, were you allowed to grow your own weed? How did you open up? Did you start growing weed? I started growing weed, and then uh, it took us a little bit longer to get the store finished, Mm -hmm. get all of the systems in place, the standard operating procedures, and being able to open up and be compliant. I hired a person with the retail experience to help me open up and uh, get the initial point-of-sale system in place and... uh, Vendors set up and product lines in the shop and opened in, uh, I guess, mid-February. Mid-February this year, mm-hmm. you're open open for sales. Correct. First day. How many how many strains do you have on the shelf? I think we had like 28 strains on the shelf. 28 strains. You, you've always had a few strains going. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Uh, not a, not a lot. Some people have far too many to keep oh, up yeah. with. You know, I guess everybody has their own opinion on that. But it just becomes so difficult if you have seventy different strains to keep up with each one of them, making each unique and different. Yeah, you know, we had some definite overlaps on the shelf, and uh, you know, let some things go and obtain some other varieties. How, how many run through your shop currently? Um. I think there's it, we're kind of light on the shelf right now. There's twelve or thirteen different varieties on the shelf right now. 13, Probably thirty-five or so in the barn, and in different stages. In the barn, that's what you call your grow room. The grow room, yes. All right. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Are you still selling your uh, cannabis in jars? You still sell it in jars? Uh, well, we have cracker jars that we display it in but unfortunately the state regulates uh, all pot to go out of our cannabis products to go out of the store in a some sort of a certified childproof container mm. so but we do have very nice uh, european canning jars yeah those are available great. for folks that prefer to store their cannabis in glass yeah i couldn't uh, last time i was at your shop i got one of those yep got a great picture at your shop as well in front of your <laughs> no hippie parking yeah right hippie parking only <laughs> hippie parking only right. all, there, sorry, all sorry. others will be stoned yeah hippie parking only or others will be stoned you'll see me on my facebook page <laughs> fan page you've got pretty good herb up at harvest house and chip's opinion uh it's hard to find great weed you've got pretty good weed up there i i know you're really critical which often makes a great grower <laughs> over and over again. I've heard you say, ah, oh, this isn't any good. Like, it's totally fine. The last time when I was up there last, as yeah. a matter of fact, you're like, oh, this is the old stuff. This is, I'm embarrassed to sell this to you. Well, you know, you should know an A from an A and a B from a B. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it, in the commercial cannabis market. It's hard to get great weed here, man. Right. There's, you can get weed on any single corner, but it's hard to get great weed. Yep. Right. Right. And you got some great weed up there. What, what's your favorite strain these days? Uh, let's see. I think it would be uh, something called Pura Vida. Pura Vida. What's Pura that Vida. I think that's uh, – I'm not a big strain geek, so I'm shooting from the hip. I believe it's uh, Pure Kush or L.A. Pure Kush crossed with – Appalachian, mm. and uh, I've got another one, Orange Ghost, which uh, does not, I don't, I would be scared to try to dissect what it is. I don't know what it is. Ghost um, sounds like Ghost OG. Yeah, that's a real fruity thing, so I'm not sure. Oh, right, right. Yeah, the but, name game, man. The yeah. name game. We've heard them all over the past. 15 years sometimes two or three times yeah yeah absolutely no <laughs> doubt yeah I, I see them recirculated for sure over time i guess there's only so many cool names right well the naming thing is definitely something interesting i think we're done with the era of naming things like ak-47 and these real masculine names it's uh, been interesting to watch how uh women respond to the names of cannabis, really. You know, I, I watched Jessica, my wife, my, my lovely super stoner, very knowledgeable wife, you know, get taken over by the nice names, too. 
Right. That sounded nice. Oh yeah. It said nice. It's something something nice, Kush. <laughs> this was this was fairy fairy tale angel Kush. Yeah, we've got one on the shelf right now called Guava Lotus. Oh, it picks up. If uh, if a woman doesn't know what she wants, she definitely will want that once she sees the name. Mm. They say that women, thirty-five to forty-three or something, are one of the biggest markets right now. Well, that's definitely who we're trying to serve. Yeah. Well, I can totally see this as, you know, guys are always willing to like take risks. You know, as a species, you know. We, we have a 50-50 mortality rate because guys die off so much, <laughs> right? <laughs> but because uh, we take all this risk. And, you know, women women are, are definitely more conservative on risk. Uh, and, and now that it's legal, right, I know plenty of women stoners for sure. But now that it's legal, it's opened it up to so many other people, right, so many other women. And, I mean, this could all just be marketing, I don't know. We're manipulated by all that shit every day, but uh, it seems applicable to me. It's always been a sausage party. Anytime you go to, you know, a barn burner. Oh yeah. Right. You know, there's not near enough women there. Right. (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting being uh, uh, on the counter and, and seeing who actually comes through the shop. There's a, I'd give it a good 50, 50, you know, seems that the ladies like to get it stoned as much as the guys yeah that's for sure and uh you know definitely not relying on anybody to help them with their purchases it's it's a male-dominated industry though still right right like there's we're gonna have a few women growers on the show here in the future i got a couple invites out right now uh but it's it's a male-dominated industry yeah from the owners all the way to uh the growers well we've got a a really nice manager, uh, Whitney, who I think brings a really nice feminine aspect to the to the front end. And uh, I've recently hired my mom to uh, run the the trim crew. Oh yeah, and keeping keeping in the family. Yep. Right. Have her watch my back. Right. Right. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. Do you do you know the women of Weed? Local no. political group? Yeah, no. we remember those people. Women Grow, Women of Weed, remembers both of those. Women Grow. I like I like what I've seen of that organization. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they have meetings just right down the street from us. We try to make them. We get a few a year. Let's talk about the barn. Okay. You have a craft cannabis operation, right? You, only, you have a handful of lights. They're all hand-tended. Tell, tell us about what goes on there. Well, the barn was uh, was planned during my attempt at the medical market. It's a little bit small. It's got two sides of uh, 12,000 watts run in opposition of each other so that while one light while run, one room is dark, the other room is on, generally split from uh, midnight to noon, then noon to midnight so that there's always a room on that you can work in. Small veg area, and basically trying to balance out real small batches so that we can have fresh and new and unique pot on the shelves. It takes a little bit of juggling since, you know, some things grow at a different rate and mature at a different rate. So not everything works out as planned, but... How many lights again? 24 in total in the, in the grow, in the, in, the, in the flowering rooms. In the flower room. 
firearm. Yeah. I, 35 strange, you say? Um, probably in the hopper at this point right now. Do you get, are, do you, do you run multiple strains a light or, or how do no, you segregate No, I'm, I'm generally trying to run a, 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 a batch or a strain per light mm-hmm. so that I can have a, kind of a, a cycle of, of new things coming through. Right. So it is like a, it is, it is craft cannabis in the sense it's like a home grow where you'd grow one light of one strain. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what, what we're trying to reproduce is the, uh, the, the feel and the, and the quality of, of old homegrown as we used to call it kind bud. Right. You guys, are you still growing the bigger plants? Um, I'm growing, I'd say medium shrubby kind of plants at about nine per light. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you had your numbers down to four or something at one yeah point and then point. i had i was experimenting with the sea of green for a little bit of up to like uh 36 per light right and found that some things responded well and some things don't and some some things just really didn't want to be that crowded mm-hmm. and and just it was a disaster not a disaster but the goal wasn't obtained yeah the sea of green is a great automation technique and if you've got plenty of cuttings and the right strain it just makes it just it totally works right but it is a labor intensive commercial style technique yeah especially doing you know one or one and a half light batches yeah you know, absolutely if i was like mono, that. if i like was monocropping just it, one thing it would be simple great. absolutely but when you have 24 different trays and reservoirs it's difficult difficult yeah right right do you feed all the plants the same thing um yeah, right. I, I, I different don't, feeding schedule maybe but. depending on you know where they are you know mm-hmm. relative to uh, uh, you know when they were what groups were flowered at the same time. But I'm more of a I'm, I don't follow a schedule generally. I just mm-hmm. garden the way it seems like the plants need it at the time. Right, right. Nine nine plants per light, twenty four lights. Uh, you, you you don't have that many plants going at once. How do what's your mom room look like? My mom room, I have a bunch of T five shelved systems um, that are I'm able to have uh, any have anything in anywhere from three inch square cups to uh, I like to do my final veg in the old. Rose pots from Bato, the Bato pots. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Those are great pots. Yeah. Right. So, and once I get, once the plants are nice and about to begin to stretch and become unhappy, I'll flip them in a three to five gallon. Right. So you 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 watch the plants. It's not on a time schedule. No. Do you have to generate a, a standard operating procedure for? regulations or no i mean there's general as with regard to the the areas like recording the waste that comes Mm -hmm. out of the garden Mm -hmm. harvest you know all of that stuff gets recorded in metric but then before then it gets recorded onto a piece of paper and that paper is saved in a log right right absolutely uh so you're 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 growing your weed by hand literally don't have times this isn't like I'm going to veg this for 21 days and flower it for 52 days. No, and I I don't I don't I don't follow the traditional looking at the resin glands or you know for me it's a 
it's an overall appearance of the flowers that lets me know when the plant's done. And I think that, you know, depending on year and the subtlety in the room, that can really vary. It can. Do you still do pay attention to the dates? Though? Oh, yeah. I, I mean. Because right. it's a great gauge. Oh, i got to start looking right around yeah. here. You know, but right. generally, you know, the 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 flower formation tells me when it's done. Right. Yeah, I've seen sour diesel finish, really, truly finish 72 to 77 days. And I've seen people pick it 60 days, mm-hmm. you know, as early as. Uh, but yeah, it truly depends on environment, how it was grown, who was grown, how big the plant is. Yeah. All of that. Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so are there any plant that you don't like growing? Any, any cannabis plant? That well, I don't like growing train was. wreck. Oh, you don't like the train wreck? I, well, I like love the train wreck. It. Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't, I love it and I do grow it. And I'm, do you have that cut? I have the purple train wreck. Oh, oh, oh the purple train wreck. Oh, sweet, sweet. <laughs> That's the only train wreck I have in the house right now. Yeah, I would rather, I like the growth pattern to that more than I like the smoke it of it. Right. <laughs> it has, a, it's good weed, don't get me wrong, but it, I just smoked a ton of it. It's With that, a pretty pot. That, that, uh, oh, it's some of the most beautiful purple cannabis out there it has Nearly baby powder like you know uh can uh trichomes on it it's just covered in it yeah dark purple yeah that's a great 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 weed if i do say so uh but i don't like to really smoke it it's weird i haven't smoked it in a while so i'm right i'll hit i'll oh, i'll hit it if you got it you know, <laughs> <clears throat> you know i will I'm not that discriminating. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the the true train wreck, though, the Arcata cut or one of those cuts, E38 or whatever it was, that, those would be great. I don't know anybody who really has that here. It's kind of gone from flavor altogether, really. Yeah, I haven't had the old Arcata train wreck cut that I had for quite mm. a while now. No, it doesn't. It's some of the last old school weed. It doesn't look new school enough to be so popular. And when grown right, the high is just so violent, man. Just like (laughs) heart pound is like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. boom. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Hey, you know what? I think it's a perfect time to take another break. This is The Real Dirt. Stacey Johnson and Harvest House. We'll get back to firing it up with the expert on The Real Dirt with Chip Baker after this. Do you want to get in on the booming cannabis industry? With new frontier data, we give industry insiders the power of big data analytics to help navigate this rapidly growing and changing landscape. New Frontier's tools help you make critical decisions based on the facts. Our industry analyst reports reveal the best opportunities, Our custom research engagements deliver answers to the most difficult questions. And our cutting-edge big data platform, Equio, puts real-time information and answers you need right at your fingertips. Go to www.equio.io and sign up for your free membership today. That's E-Q-U-I-O.io to sign up now. The power of real-time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. 
Boober vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Boober Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Boober way. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. Time to get all the insider cannabis industry secrets straight from the mouths of the OG weed pioneers on The Real Dirt with Chip Baker. And we're back. Real Dirt with Chip Baker. Here's Rolling 101. <laughs> so what's the key to rolling a joint, Stacy? Oh, shit. He literally is sticking two papers together. Three. He's going to stick three papers together. This guy is from the 80s for sure. <laughs> 70s, 70s. <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> So obviously, Stacy's key to rolling a big joint is three papers and about oh, I'd say five grams of weed. That's I don't know. It's an eighth, maybe four grams. I'd bet. Oh, okay, four grams. Oh, yeah. My, a, a full one is about five grams. Oh, okay, we're rolling the shorty today. <laughs> right, he's trying to keep it together for the show. So he's gingerly pushing all the weed into the paper and making it one level across it. Uh, it looks no, like, it'll uh, be a cone. Oh, no, he's rolling a cone, which means that he's twisting out the amount of cannabis towards one side of the paper. The other side's larger. Now, Stacy's got some pretty fat fingers here. How he's able to do this, I'm not quite sure. It's a dramatic cone shape, too. It's not a gentle cone. Now that is a Rasta-style cone right there. It was just silence in the room as he twisted it. That is, that is huge. Look at that. No wonder you decided to go into the cannabis business. <clears throat> That's well, a professionally rolled joint. Do you roll the joints yourself at the store? I do not. You have a joint machine or a packer no, or something? Have, uh, a bud tender. A bud tender. He just rolls yeah. joints all day. Do you guys use the pre-roll? We do the those cone stuffed stuffed cones. Here, why don't you put that down on the tray and we'll see it. We'll get a good picture of it there. Oh, that's awesome. A four-gram cone. That's what we're going to call this episode. Four-gram cone with Stacy Johnson <laughs> Harvest House. Booyah! 
that's great. <laughs> so if you if you could name a uh, uh, not that I'll be able to do this, but if you had a song for this episode that would like signify or or, or be a metaphor for us in this conversation. Hmm. I don't know. There's so many good reggae songs that you know at this point now with legalization or regulation become so irrelevant. Um, legalize it. Sorry, legalize. Yeah. You know, and you know, yeah. just the the hassles that people have had through the years for having a plant in their backyard or basement. You know, a lot of the folks, my kids certainly will never. You know. They have, have the issues that we that. had. <laughs> right, because right. now if you get regulated for cannabis, uh, they fine you. You don't necessarily go to jail, right? Yeah, but it seems the municipalities are really are uh, using a new strategy through uh, uh, municipal ordinances to limit the home grows, right. limit patients' right. rights to uh, grow their own medicine. <laughs> and that's certainly a disappointing turn of events right because there there is room and space for unregulated small-scale industry well right sure. to grow and a few plants it shouldn't be that big of a deal there's room for privacy and it's nobody's <laughs> business what's happening in someone's backyard or in their basement in my opinion oh, i got one for you nobody's fault but mine <laughs> there you go <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> yeah that that's a that's that's definitely the largest joint that's been smoked on this podcast. Well, that's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I, I have my professional friends over. <laughs> well, that's a shame. You happen to be a professional joint roller, smoker, extraordinaire. El Rocho Grande. Yeah, I'm pretty sure almost every guest has uh, smoked out on, on the air, so to speak, with me. It's normalized, right? Normalized. M many, many, some guests have brought it, some others haven't. If you're invited or want to come onto the show, no. <laughs> it is totally appropriate to be a, bring a sack of the finest cannabis. Have you had any dabbers on here? Dabbers are up on Thursday. This week we'll have the dabbers on. We'll have Jordan from uh, Turpex, cannabis extract producer. You know those guys, Turpex? I'm familiar with the name, but mm -hmm. don't know them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great guys. Real mellow, real into the craft. I'm going to begin uh, holding back parts of my harvest to have processed so I can have my own material, my own nug run stuff. Oh, sweet. Are you going to pick strain specific or just give bottoms? or? I'm going to, because my batches are so small, I'm probably going to do a little research to see what's going to make a nice concentrate and uh dude that purple train rank gives it uh some of the best really it really is so i'll probably pull back and if i have a, a batch that's fat enough have oh. some of that so that i can have the flour and the, the concentrate whatever form it might be on the shelf at the same time right right awesome oh yeah that, that'd be great that'd be great so are you selling clones Do you not sell yet clones? we're gearing up to Address that market. Oh, awesome! Because I know you you you're a small scale producer. You tier one. So you're tier one, so you can have eighteen hundred plants. Is that it? Yeah, and that's cut back from thirty six hundred, which they gave me the first year, right. which I know where came. So you're going to be you're going to be selling cannabis flower, cannabis extract, 
cannabis clones, you'll be able to get the clones of the flower and the extract that you buy in your store. Correct. Oh, wow. That's great. Few places have that. And you have authentic clones. I know we've talked about this in the past. You know, you uh, try to get the best uh, Mm -hmm. uh, possible genetic that represents, you know, the namesake. Do you have the cookies? Are you growing any cookies cut? I've got a variety of cookies cuttings. Yeah. I'm familiar with the forum cut. That's what most people seem mm-hmm. to have. It has more purple hues. I think it might be a better grower. I'm not really familiar with the others. I like a lot of the uh, cookies crosses that I've got. Yeah, that cookies OG. Mmm, that's so good. <clears throat> a couple Prob- people are doing that. Probably the most popular one we've had run through there was uh, Talent Scout, which was LA Confidential by Girl Scout Cookies. <laughs> You got that LA. Yeah. <laughs> awesome talent scout. Do you do you have that one still? Yeah. All right. Yeah. People love it. What's uh, special about it? Um unfortunately I think the name. Oh, it's just the name. Well, it's I mean it's nice pot for sure, but and I I really think that there's a a certain amount of sizzle that sells. Absolutely. It's marketing, it's salesmanship. There's nothing wrong with business. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. So, right? It's just, I'm. Some names are just stupid. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just so stupid. And the, yeah. the renaming of stuff that's already has a name. Like, eh. I mean, I understand like <clears throat> naming a cut, right? But you should be specific about naming the cut, like that. Like Shaw's cut, that uh, Kush cleaner that we uh-huh. call a heart attack. Uh huh. You know that one? Yeah, yeah, it's a heart attack cut of the Kush cleaner. That stuff's great. The regulations definitely make it difficult with genetics. So the How do you collect them? Uh, well, you have to get them from within the system or do some in-house breeding. Mm-hmm. Are you and, guys currently breeding? Uh, we've got a couple little things started, but we're really lacking uh, the uh, space to do things right. So we're really being conservative in that, in that area. Right, right. It's yeah, it's breeding such a you're just rolling the dice there, man. I mean you might find something great and you might not though. You know, it might just be the same thing or something worse than you started with. It's a big uh slot machine game. Let's see which Cha-ching. which genes express themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Cha ching. And you know, with the my scenario where I'm trying to do small batches, it makes it very difficult for me to experiment to right? devote much yeah, square footage to uh, to the pheno hunt. Right. Yeah, and nine plants per light is a little difficult. I guess you could amp it up for seed or clone searching, but just to see. Well, I had the benefit of friends already with uh, nice collections within the system, so that helps out a lot. Right. Good. Share amongst friends. <laughs> yeah, that friends friends is how we've always shared cuttings in the past, right? That's how yep. people got it. It's like, oh no, this is my group of friends. This is my group of friends, right? And it goes along with its provenance of where you got it. <laughs> clones, clones, back clones. Another quick break. Here we are, real dirt chip baker. That large joint is still going. Huge plumes of smoke are coming out of it. Uh, the tip is so resiny. It's 
going to be, um, I bet it's not going to smoke all the way through. We'll see. So uh, you, you are able to buy seeds here, those they are local producers, right? There are just really getting to be some, uh, some desirable seeds coming on the market. You know the, who the local seed people are? The ones that I'm excited about are from Dark Horse Genetics. Yeah, Dark Horse. Yeah, we're going to try to have them on the show here. Oh, cool. Yeah, totally. That'd we're, be good. Yeah, we're involved in this uh, grow-off thing together. Huh. We're sponsors, Cultivate sponsor, and it's called the Grow-Off. What's what's that entail? I'm not really sure. It's a, it's a weed competition. You should try to get in on it. Look it up. You'd be huh. good at it. Uh, you get the cuttings from him. It's his genetic. Every 200 people get one genetic, and then you compete in October or November. Hmm. That's probably something I couldn't do with regulations. It's a regulated thing. Oh, really? Yeah, because he's regulated. Huh. So you can get the clone from him, right? Hmm. Yeah, Interesting. Totally. Yeah, totally. It's 200 regulated shops. Hmm. Yeah, Cultivate sponsoring it, the Grow Off, I believe it's called. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be cool, man. I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll hook you up. Okay. I'll talk, I, I'll hook you up, man. You plant seeds? I have been. Right? Yep, I've got, um, well, I don't want to talk about what's coming. Oh, but. okay. <laughs> Suspense. <laughs> Suspense. Man, let me, let me ask you this question. You see over here on the board here, I've got this thing, and it says, it's Grower? Dealer, smoker. Which one are you? Which one do you most identify with? Oh, I'd say a grower. Mm, grower. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I ask people this question that are in the 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 grow business mm-hmm. or the hydro business, mm-hmm. and you'd be in, you know, many of them say they're growers, mm-hmm. no matter what they're doing. But yeah. I, I thought you might say you were a smoker. Well, I mean, I'm, I was initially a smoker, but I became a grower because mm. I wanted to be a better smoker. Yeah, right. Mm. So, totally, totally. you know, I remember it was, a, it was a real dry dry time in Maryland, about, I don't know, 88, 89, mm. thereabouts. I, people were growing weed back in the 80s? Way back then. Wow. Yep. And there was this old High Times article on a garden called Sharky's Garden. Oh, I remember that one. And I was like, well, I'm doing that. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. <laughs> and that was kind of the thing that, you know, got me into home growing. Right, right. Yeah, I remember that article. <laughs> Sharky's Garden. Okay, all right. I used to collect High Times. I still have a large collection of High Times and Sensimedia tips. I uh, had some great, great issues. Was that the indoor grow in New York? Was that Sharky's Garden? I don't remember it that well, oh, but okay. it rented like a, a some type of frozen foods warehouse or something. It was the first like really big commercial, nice, tightly put together sea of green garden. Yeah, we'll that was the that style up. of back then. I'll have to look that up. Sharky's Garden, yeah. totally. Oh man, the the good old days. Hey, are you, are you growing any CBD strains? I'm not, but I am on the hunt for some regulated CBD cuttings. Yeah, yeah. There's a Centennial Seeds. Mm-hmm. They've got some stuff, and I think they they're regulated and they sell cuttings too. I think I'm not sure about that, but I know they're regulated and they sell seeds. Well, I've definitely been uh, broadening the the topicals, concentrates, and edibles that we carry that have cbd component very high demand for it with even within the recreational market 
So how much of a, do you buy any cannabis on the wholesale market? No. You, you produce it all yeah. yourself, right? Well, the whole. You just buy yeah. other products, edible products. From other vendors. From other vendors. Things that I'm not able to do right. because of licensing. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do people ask about CBD? All the time. All the time. Mm-hmm. Right. What about concentrates to flour? Because we joke about that as we're dinosaurs and we're flour smokers. What are your number of customers? You probably have a skewed view because people might come to you for the flour. Definitely, um, I've become a, a destination destination for the fat flour folks. <clears throat> and initially, we had not much uh, requests for traditional concentrates, shatters, waxes, etc. With the tourist season, it's really changed. And uh, now that we're on a lot of the locals' radar. And the fact that we've just had two grow house, or within just the last month, a grow house with uh, two extraction labs in it blow up. That's really scaring all the people that are used to making their own concentrates. Right, right. And uh, really seeing a, a big uptick in the requests and purchases and broadening our, our what we're offering. When people ask for stuff, do they come in and they just... They ask for shatter or concentrates. How do they phrase it? Well, some people know what they want. Mm-hmm. Some people are interested in concentrates broadly. Hey, bro, I need the terpiest terp you got. That's <laughs> uh, definitely not our market up there. <laughs> it's, I think that's more of an urban thing. Right. But people are still dabbing or putting it pens. There's definitely a, a big demand for CO2 cartridges mm-hmm. or CO2 oil. Mm-hmm. Um, cartridges for pens. Yep. Right. That seems to be a, a really growing market. Mm-hmm. It's one that I don't really identify with because it's completely not what I am into pot mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are cued into the word shatter. Mm-hmm. Do they so, know what it is or they just ask for it? I think that there's uh, some people that are from out of state that don't know what it is and ask for it. Don't know what to do with it when they get it. They've read about it in the paper. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, uh, <laughs> saw it on Time Magazine. Shatter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get some of that shatter they got up in Colorado. <laughs> but it's fun when you have you know, out-of-state folks who are enthusiasts and, you know, have a little bit of exposure to, I won't say connoisseur pot, but uh, uh, not your average Colorado imports. So... What what's your vacation trip? Your 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 uh, what do you what do you call them? Out of state sales. What did your out of state say? Not out of state sales, but non resident sales. Yeah, yeah, that's what they call it. What what what's your numbers on that? Is it like earlier, we had been tracking it because it was necessary, and uh, the out of state folks were limited to a quarter ounce. But now they can buy an ounce. Now everybody can buy an ounce. Mm-hmm. Wow! Yeah. But the uh, out-of-state folks buy the shit out of edibles. Yeah, no doubt. Love it. Like, take me some edibles. Oh, now. yeah. <laughs> and I'm always very hesitant to... Uh, you know what's going on. They're not going to eat all that, right? Well, there's some well, folks maybe you don't, that... You're like me. We got no idea what our customer does with the product once they leave. Well, you That's know, not our responsibility. That's theirs. Yeah. Right? That's right. I mean, but... 
you know, a lot of folks have no experience with cannabis and they're scared to smoke it. And so those are the people that I'm really <laughs> That's hesitant. That's how you're worried about it. That's right? what like, I, that hey, really gets you know, me worried because I, I don't want you to have a bad time. And, right. you know, that's nobody's, nobody's happy on too much edible. Absolutely. I've had to, I've had to ease my way back up into it. That's for sure. I used to be a big ganja food eater and then had some couple of uh, I ate too much episodes. Well, there's that sandwich I gave you that one time. <laughs> the, the coconut oil. I barely remember. It was like a peanut butter. It was like a, it was like a peanut butter ganja oil sandwich. Oh, my gosh. I remember. I was living in the loft above my shop in Colorado uh-huh. when I first opened it up. I lived up there, right? Yeah, man. Those are the good old days. Now um, I can't be really edible high and deal with the oh. public so when your customer comes in do they do you have a typical customer the the common thread is cannabis and isn't that interesting <clears throat> and it's really away. surprising you'll have anybody from uh, little old ladies from brooklyn or somewhere in new york who haven't gotten high since the 70s and you'll have people that come regularly from kansas you'll have uh Kids, twenty-one and over. Policemen, everybody comes. Mm-hmm. So one of the things about cannabis is people of all walks of life and all economies. Oh yeah, like smoking deer. Oh yeah, it's it's uh it, it, there's surprises in my day in, in my regular day. You know, you'll be wow, you would have never thought. Yeah, man, we got so many we got so many elections coming up here in the future. Here in November, there's a, a bunch of states that are voting for rec or voting for medical tide. If the tide changes like that, I'm sure they all won't go, but they all seem positive. Man, just like the, I've heard 20 to $40 billion predictions for 2020 mm-hmm. in the cannabis economy. Wow. Right. Totally. Right. I've also heard like this market peaking out, you know. 2018, 2019. It's the real Derek with Chip Baker. Fairly lit right now as Stacy's smoked a half an ounce of weed while he's been here. (laughs) (laughs) Do you normally uh, smoke joints? That's my preferred Mm -hmm. method when I've got the time. Yeah, when you got the time. Yeah, it it didn't take you too long to roll that joint up, so it doesn't require too much. Yeah, you know, there's no no on-site or on-premise consumption. So sure. that limits my time to... Do you know about the new uh, social consumption law coming up? I've heard there's two potential things that might get wrapped into one, but... Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a, we're, we're definitely in support of one. We're going to um, promote it on this show. Uh, I'm not sure how it's going to unfold, but soon enough we will know. So, that will make things really good. Yeah, absolutely. That's what's lacking. Yeah, the social. There's so much social component to smoking cannabis. It always has been. You just, you do it in groups of people, and you know it's interesting. You can smoke a joint to yourself, or joint with ten people, and get higher. And get, totally. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not doubt. ten people, but yeah, you know, <laughs> you just throw a couple other sets of lungs on it, and you like you you, you feed off one another. It's just there's a social component to it, and. Uh, to have social consumption 
definitely is the next step. Mm-hmm. Colorado does that. Well, well, that, that's pretty progressive. That's for sure. Man, you, you use any special terminology? Um, in regards to, was, you know, in regards to like, I ask people this question, like, Hey, what special words have you developed or do you use mm. in your industry that are outside the industry slang terminology? The only thing I would say that I use or think about things in potentially a different way <clears throat> is in my garden. I, I try to have what I call a garden strategy and, uh, you know, an overall objective and the means that I get thereby. And, you know, that that strategy can... Do you use a calendar or a spreadsheet? Or? No, you know, I'm I'm still strongly in the old school. And, this is your vibing it out. And, right? uh, You're working it. You know, and I definitely would be, in all aspects of my business, benefited by uh, learning how to use traditional business tools mm-hmm. a little bit more. Yeah, wouldn't we all? A little bit more business skills. But, uh, you know, I don't really keep a calendar anymore because metric tells me when I've, you know, changed plants, growth phase. And I can go back and look and check to see if the garden is actually where it is in its schedule based on, you know, what it looks like to me. Right. You can run a report through metric. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. Just check it and see where I'm at. But... The only terminology that we use is making fun of the kids, okay. mocking, <laughs> mocking them. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. All about them loud terps and all that jive. But, you know, one of the things we really were trying to stay away from is uh, lingo and jargon that, that causes uh, folks that aren't quite so young and in the scene – you know, I don't want to. I don't want to cause them to feel uncomfortable by not knowing what words are. So you know, we try to break it down into uh, as basic as possible. You know, the people have a real subjective experience with cannabis. Do people come in and ask for indica, indica or sativa? Oh yeah, you know, and that's it's really been sold to the public as gospel, and it's hey, I need an indica or a sativa. Yeah, right. So for me, it's it's hard when I have to be on the retail end of things to engage the public in a way that I don't really think about pot. Mm -hmm. Right, because we both think about it the same way as it's all poly hybrids. Yeah, yeah. There's, and you you had a great explanation of a sativa recently to me, (laughs) right? Which was if if uh, I think I told someone who came in they wanted a hundred percent sativa, and I said. That if I had 100% sativa, they wouldn't want it because it wouldn't look like they want pot to look like. Mm-hmm. And that they wouldn't be able to afford it if I did have it for sale. Right, because of the 20-week yeah, growth strategies and, on and it. And the headroom and you know the right. disaster that it would really be. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's, it's difficult to engage the customer, the client, the canvas consumer as a, as a person who's grown for a long time and mm-hmm. had a a more intimate relationship with the plant, you have to break it down as if I was selling red wine or white wine, you know, when there's so much more than that in the wine aisle. And then the the consumer really wants to be told what to buy, which is a really odd thing to be in that position to 
direct someone. You know, there's a lot of shit talk in the grower yeah. and cannabis industry about Blue Dream, but, you know, people go to that like people did to Sierra Nevada for so many years. Blue Dreams. Because they were familiar with it. It's got a, a friendly name, and uh, it's. I, I like Blue Dream. It's huge. The biggest outdoor plants I think I've ever seen. Some of the largest yielders I've ever seen. Blue Dreams, for sure. Like nine, ten pound plants, real. You know, full season outdoor in Northern California, perfect environment, great grower, you know, just huge, right? Uh, easy to grow, right? Pleasant, fruity flavor, mm-hmm. right? Mild smoke. Performs uh, well. Yeah, I'll, I do market research. I go to grow, grow dispensaries all over um, and, you know, buy some of their weed. My wife does the same thing, all market research, of course. But so much of it's Blue Dream, and they say it's something else. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Because <laughs> you know I know, right? Yeah. You know, and, and, and honestly, like, there's a lot of non, there's a lot of strains out there. Mm, let me rephrase this appropriately. There's a lot of cannabis sold in legal dispensaries with strains that aren't the strains you think you're buying. Oh, for I'm sure. Of sure. It. For yeah. sure. I, I have seen, you know, all kinds of things passed off as OG, off as skunk, off as super, uh, I mean, off as uh, a sour diesel, right? Just, you know, just making up names, right? Oh, we got to, people love sour diesel here. Let's call this sour diesel and sell it. And there's no regulation on that type of thing. Well, there's no regulation on what you call it at all. Yeah, right, right. There's no, I mean, I could say I've got the most desirable thing that's esoteric and, you know, held closely and people are threatened if they give it out and I can call it that. But, you know, I think that we'll see uh, as soon as the federal government allows for intellectual property enforcement in the cannabis industry, you know, then you'll see people not allowing you to sell stuff that's called something. And I believe they're getting close genetically to be able to really tell what's happening. There was just recently a seminar on uh, using testing to be able to establish some intellectual property rights. Missed that one. Couldn't make it out of the mountains for it. Mm. So the future's here. Yeah. It's not just backwoods. This and it's not just in the closet anymore. It's not behind closed doors. Everything's becoming regulated and tested. The alcohol industry went through a similar thing, you know. Uh, so, so tell us about the future. What, what what's happening in the future? Can you look well, in your 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 one of your two large crystal balls and tell me which what the future is? Well, I think what I say that one time we were we were talking from the basement to the boardroom. Basement of the boardroom. And, uh, you know, I am kind of on the peripheral of uh, the cannabis industry being up in, in Netherland. And I'm small a remarkably town. small scenario. But, you know, from my, my perspective, the thing that I see is that uh, <clears throat> it's been a tremendous amount of capital that's come into the state. The... The grows are over-licensed. 
There's an excess amount of material in the market that's flooding the, the concentrate market right now. Wholesale prices have, are getting pretty close to half of what they were when I opened in February. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think we'll see just like we have in the booze and uh, the beer industry, a continued consolidation. There seems to be an effort to begin rebranding and remarketing businesses under a more of a craft motif. Motif. Um, and I think that they're poorly positioned to fill that niche. Few people are like you. Yeah. Right. They grow small, you know, they have a, can generate all their sales. Yeah. Right. You know, from clone to sale, there could be three, maybe four people that are come in contact with the pot that's sold out of my harvest house. You know, and that's, uh, I think the largest organization has a thousand employees. Wow. Who's that? I've heard Livois, a thousand. Oh, yeah. They're big. They're the biggest. Yeah. Native Roots is probably right behind them. Mm hmm. So, um, one of the things I never wanted to do is sell other people's pot. But with the way that things are changing, and I think that there's going to be a real opportunity to get from the few good growers and smaller operations that I know of that there's going to be extra pot. And <clears throat> I want to bring on just like a, a brewery might have a, a guest tap or two, mm, you know, have some stuff. Yeah, great weeds, great weeds. From right. friends, you know. Yeah. And, like like what they're doing and and bring them into the mix. But I think it's really it's gonna be a time of transition that that is gonna disappoint a lot of people. And uh and you know, at, at this point there's a, a garden going in in Netherland right now that when it was I'm sure planning the wholesale market was three times what it is right now. Mm-hmm. So I think there's going to be no middle ground or or not a lot of middle ground. I think there's going to be really good, well-organized, based on excellent traditional business practices. Sure. With realistic expectations on return on investment and the time frame for that return on investment. You know, there's been a, a get-rich-quick approach. With cannabis to yeah, the, for years, forever. You know, Everybody wants to get a home run on their first time up the bat. And uh, I don't think that's the reality. Right. No, no, a few people do. That's for sure. I've seen I've seen some people make it. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. It was hard as hell to get here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I say uh, success through failure. You know, other people say failure is just when you don't get up. <laughs> right. But I know I've seen you... Seen you knock down and, and get back up over and over again. Man, it's been great having you on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been real fun. Uh, I'm not sure how much uh, herb you smoked here, probably like two ounces or something. <laughs> that one joint went for, I don't know, I can't even see it on the tape here. It must have been like 35, 45 minutes. That's about <laughs> what it takes. <laughs> great, man. Joint. Well, Yep, here's Real Dirt. I'm here with uh, Stacy Johnson, Harvest House, Nederland, Colorado. Thanks, Stacy. Thanks, Chip. All right, well, I guess we got to the dirt of that. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Denver Consulting, Bickle Consulting, Archive Seed Bank, Canacraft, Cultivate Colorado. Let me give it up to my production team, 
Willow, Phipps, Lisa, Chris, Michael, and Hollis. Thanks, guys. And to the rest of you, stay dirty, my friends. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.